Now, on Minutia Man Celebrity Interview, you'll hear our interview with Dave Vecchio. Yes, tell us who that is. Dave Vecchio is a really interesting guy. He's an ex-con. Right. Which is awesome. He is an artist. His stuff is great. A little dark, but great. He's also a very accomplished actor. You've seen him in a ton of different shows. Minutia Man Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine old pie show. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. You're you're not going to believe what's going back to you. We get to know one of your top five all-time male singers. (laughs) And it takes my breath away. I can't wait to reveal who it is because people are going to love this. And that couldn't be further from the truth. But we're going to talk about a singer that I really liked. Don't make me get my wrench. Uh, Back to you. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Dave, our guest this week is another one of these guys who uh, has done too much to fit on a business card. He's, uh, he's an actor. He's been in 45 feature films, uh, a renowned artist, a former soldier, and on the flip side of that, also an ex-con, uh, which I think might be our first ex-con on the show. Please welcome to the show, Dave Vecchio. How are you, Dave? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Sorry for bringing that up, but it, it's kind of it's an important... <laughs> it's an important thing because uh, you didn't just go to prison. You went to Leavenworth and... and, yes, and you went there for several years. It had to be something that inspired you to do other things. I mean, how, how has that affected your life? You know, at the time, uh, yeah, that's a good question. You know, at the time, it, it was scary, you know, because, yeah, you know, I was trained in the military to kill and everything. You know, I served my country and all that stuff. But I'm actually surrounded by people who love doing it and who get off on doing it and probably want to continue to do it. So uh, I keep on telling people, yeah, the infantry U.S. Army taught me physical warfare, but prison actually taught taught me psychological warfare because these were the most nuttiest people I've ever met in my life. (laughs) And I had to figure out how to play their games just to survive it, you know. Um, So that changed everything for me because now i started observing people unlike i've ever done before uh and now i can pretty much handle most situations in life because of it uh so it honestly was the best thing that ever happened to me at the time it was scary but after it was over with i just realized well if i can handle this if i could survive this i could do anything and i mean i could do anything and that's when i started taking art very seriously you know, and and then, you know, there, you know, you always heard stories about, you know, Danny Trejo went to prison and, uh, you know, uh, who else was there? Uh, uh, Tim Allen went yeah, to Tim prison. Allen, right. Yeah. And I'm like, what? If they can do it, I can do it, too. So it was the best thing that happened to me. I, I don't regret it at all. I mean, most people are like you should regret it. I'm like, why should I regret it? I just turned lemons into lemonade. Right. You know, so, yeah. 
So, you know, did I answer your question? Yeah, no, that's a, that, that's kind of what I thought, but I, I was nice hearing it. So, you, so you're recommending everyone go to prison. <laughs> at, at Leavenworth. <laughs> yeah. Give us the give us your Yelp review for Leavenworth. <laughs> How was the food? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> the food was actually good because the so it's a, it's a hard labor prison. We all have to work. So, uh so a lot of the guys in prison, you know, they wanted to be, you know, culinary chefs. So they that was their job five days a week, cook, cook, cook. And they got better and better and better at it. So it was really good food, to be honest. <laughs> wow. so, but no, I don't recommend anyone to go to prison. Trust me. You know, Just it, don't commit crimes. There you go. So, you know, you're you're renowned as an actor for playing bad guys. And I would assume what you just mentioned about. I mean, you <laughs> were you there for two years? How long were you in Leavenworth? So I was there for two and a half years. OK, so yeah. it's pretty obvious that. You're getting some of your motivation when you're playing bad guys from probably people that you have you met in Leavenworth and the time you spent there, right? I mean, it's, uh, yeah, totally, so, totally. Especially, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah. And what, what are some of your favorite roles that you've done that you know indicative of your Leavenworth five star Yelp review? You know, um, yeah, five star Yelp. I, you know, I sort of kind of kept it hush hush quiet for a while. Uh, until about 2011, I did a movie called Hick with uh, Chloe Grace that's Moretz, great, Eddie Redmayne. Great movie, great movie. Oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, that's when I started being very open about it. And ever since then, you know, people realize, oh wow, he has this past, he has this history. Uh, we, you know, liked his performance in Hick. Let's continue to keep on giving these kind of roles. And at the time, I was okay with it because, you know, the whole hashtag Me Too never happened right. uh, just yet. That was like six years later. So I was very open to play, you know, uh, rapists and child molesters uh, because, you know, this <laughs> stuff was happening. Not, not, yeah, okay. But, that, you know, this stuff right. was happening. It's fine. Don't worry about it. This stuff was happening. Uh, all the time, you know, in Hollywood, in right. DC, everywhere, you know. So the, it was the hardest characters to play, but I remember these guys in prison. And these guys in prison were, it, it was just sick the way they talked about it. To them, it's just like, it felt like they were like in love with their victims and they never saw what they did was wrong. Uh, and, and then you, so I was very fortunate. I knew how to computer program. Uh, so my job, uh, I had two different jobs at the end. I worked on the prison farm, but in the beginning, my job was to do computer programming for their social, uh, work, uh, pro, uh, services. And so we had psychologists, psychiatrists, and social workers trying to rehabilitate all of us. So sometimes I would talk to these people who worked with these, you know, I think the worst of the worst, you know, the rapists, child molesters and serial killers uh, to to really get inside the mind of these people. And, and then you find out, you know, these people were sexually traumatized as children. And don't get me wrong. That's not a reason to do what sure. you do. Um, so but for me as an actor, you know, I had to, you know, go back to these old memories, plus do new research. Uh, so it wasn't my favorite parts to play because they're very very hard to play these parts but i knew i had to do this because it's time for us to start waking the world up to what's actually going on in the shadows uh and then you know in 2017 hashtag me too came out 
Uh, and then 2018, I just retired from Hollywood and went in a totally different direction. So, well, you know, before you did retire, you managed to work with some of the biggest uh, names, uh, accomplished actors. Uh, you know, Eddie Redman, you mentioned, but uh, Nick yep. Nolte, James Cromwell, John Savage, Kate Beckinsale. There's, there's many, yep. many others. Yep. Did, what did you learn from uh, working with people like that? Do you have any good stories from working with people like that? Yeah, I mean, Eddie Redmayne is probably my favorite. I mean, usually when you get on set, you know, with these, you know, uh, Oscar, Emmy, Golden Globe, caliber type actors or actresses uh there's a lot of psychological games being played you know because you know everybody's trying to be you know the best character in the scene because that's how we're judged by hollywood you know that's how we get the best actor award a best actress award so you're always trying to top the other actor uh and, and a lot of them play kind of weird games and and every game's different so you never know what you, you're going to get into your set but eddie didn't play those games at all and i was actually shocked like for a young guy and at the time he didn't win the oscar just yet but i don't know like he he, in not only that he sort of kind of wanted you to get better and better at it too so that's the way it should be right isn't that the way it should totally yeah totally 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 so he was definitely my favorite uh you know chloe grace moretz when i worked with her I think she was like 12, 13 years old. I saw her do stuff that I didn't, because I've been working with these, um, you know, top caliber actors for a while before I got on set with Hick. And Chloe Grace Moretz did things that I never even saw these veteran actors ever do. I was like, holy crap, this girl's going to be phenomenal as the years go by. And I think, what, now she's like her early 20s, mid-20s or something. So, um uh, one of my favorites is Sally Kirkland. I don't know if you guys oh, remember yeah. her or not. Yeah. yeah. From MASH. Wasn't so, she in the original MASH yep, the yep. film? Yep. And then um, she became a good friend of mine. And the best thing she ever did, I remember uh, we were talking about uh, how we're going to vote for SAG. And SAG is a Screen Actors Guild. Right. And I told her, well, I know she's going to vote this way. So let me tell her you know yeah i'm gonna vote the way you're gonna vote even though i'm gonna vote the exact opposite <laughs> so i told her that because i remember i'm being in her uh, house and i told her this and she's like why are you lying to me i'm like what are you talking about i'm not lying i'm gonna vote the way you're voting you're lying to me don't ever lie to me <laughs> wow. and that's when i, I but for me is a great learning lesson because this woman won a golden globe she was nominated for an oscar and that's when i realized wow this woman does not lie in her real life and it probably makes sense but because how are you supposed to know if you're telling the truth on set or on right. stage if you don't know what the truth actually is yeah and that's actually very deep in the world that we're living in right now not knowing what the truth actually is totally totally yeah, yeah we've been experiencing that for what <laughs> yeah. 30 years now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. seems oh, yeah. like it yeah so yeah or, or longer than that yeah i think five years now so yeah. Yeah. Well, the five years kind of seemed like seventy. <laughs> yes. Very true. Very true. So you 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 attended David Mamet's uh, acting conservatory, but you were what in your mid thirties when you did that? Um, I was thirty two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Early thirties. I imagine your classmates uh, probably were not, <laughs> not in their thirties. <laughs> not in their thirties, and certainly didn't have uh, your life experience going into that. Uh, how was that? I mean, how was the, you know, you're, you're really with people that 
are different, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I was the worst actor in that freaking school. <laughs> like, I was the one not supposed to make it, you know? And I, I think I went to school because uh, I, I was there for a year. Uh, so I think I trained with maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe like 70, 80 students. I was supposed to be the one not to make it. And it turned out there was only like three of us out of it that did make it at any level. Wow. So, yeah. And I think because I did have all this backstory, I, it's just I started acting at 32. I didn't know what the, you know, the F I was doing. You could swear. Uh, it it's me. a podcast. Okay. You swear. I, didn't, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> uh, you know, so I had to figure it out. You know, I, I don't know. I have this. I created this motto uh, and it's it, it goes like this. Um daily hard smart work plus never ever quitting equals success so like so i i'm like i have to practice harder i have to practice harder. i gotta train harder i gotta learn this i gotta learn that so i i just tried to do all that just to even keep up with these kids because these kids you're right you know they're way younger than me they're like anywhere from like 17 to probably like 26 but they've all been on stage since they're like three four or five years old yeah you know yeah and then i moved to hollywood when i'm 36 so four years later and now i'm competing against actors who are my age who've been on set ever since they're three four five six eight ten years old you know so which forced me to even try harder practice harder learn something do this yeah so well, I mean, uh, yeah, was, you're an inspiration, really. Yeah, uh, I, it, it's, oh, thank uh, you. It's, uh, it's quite a success story uh, in my thank mind. You. Uh, you know, we're going to get to your art because uh, that's a fascinating uh, thing, too. And I was reading your bio, and I saw something that really jumped out at me because I had a similar experience. And this is a very weird thing for you and I to have in common. And that mm. is when we were kids, we both saw somebody die on a motorcycle. Whoa, really? Yeah. I lived in Germany at the time. I was in eighth grade and, uh, you know, there was a highway right behind our middle school and I saw a truck run right into a motorcyclist and his head came off. Oh and, my God. And it was the, it is still, I mean, I, as I'm telling this story, I'm totally visualizing it in my head. I can still see it. Oh my God. It totally affected me. I know I've never been on a motorcycle. I don't know if uh, you have, that, but yeah, yeah. you were even younger when, <laughs> when you saw it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, if I remember right, I think I was like fourth grade, third grade. I don't know. Uh, I, I think I was eight years old, if I remember right. Uh, so whatever age that was, third, fourth grade. Yeah. So basically, it was pretty much right next to where I live at. And so I was living in Sherman, Texas at the time because my dad was stationed near there. And uh, we were just driving on the road one day that he's off because, you know, he was my dad at the time he had two different jobs he was uh, a fighter pilot for the united states air force but he also worked for texas instruments and his job for ti at the time which i didn't know because i was too young at the time is he was selling infrared systems and laser guided bomb systems to other countries around the world because this is what he used on his fighter jet Uh, um, let me me stop you right there for a second i was a salesman and i used to bring bagels 
when I was trying to sell something. <laughs> Did your dad like bring bagels to like the Saudi Arabians or whatever to make the sale? I have no clue. I have, no, I have a cousin who's like, just be honest, you're just an arms dealer. You know? <laughs> I got some cannolis, Shah, here. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> that's funny. So you know, he happened to be home this one day, and he's like, "Well, like, you know, let's go to the uh, lumber yard to get lumber." And uh, I'm driving with him, and the next thing I know, uh, so we're going one way, and then the another car is going another way, and this motorcycle tried to bypass. I think both of us at the same time. The problem is, he hit this car head on. Uh. And what I remember wasn't decapitation for me. I, I don't know if I could handle it that at the time. Who knows? But uh, what I remember is his head, uh, he had a helmet on. His head hit the asphalt, but then you saw his neck just crack. Oh. So it like break in half, you know. So, uh, oh. yeah, that's that's what I remember. Uh, I'm like, wow, he was alive and now right, he's not. Right there was dead, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, this whole life and death thing, is a theme let's let's really pivot now to your art um totally, totally. talk talk a little bit about your specialty which i think you refer to as de- uh, decay art or uh, yeah, to, yeah talk to us this because this is really why we're having you on is this just fan it's it's great uh oh, yeah, thank you yeah just talk to us about just everything yeah yeah so I was very fortunate uh, when I was acting. Uh, I think it was 2014. I auditioned for this famous contemporary artist. His name is Paul McCarthy, mm-hmm. and his stuff like sells for like millions of dollars each. You know, and uh, I auditioned because he does like performance art. He does film so freaking differently. We, we we can talk about that later, but. Yeah. Um, so I auditioned for him in 2014. Uh, I eventually got the role. I shot two years with him, 2016, 2017. And when I'm on set with him, it totally changed my life. I'm like, I don't have to just be an actor anymore. I can be so much more because look what he's doing. He's painting. He's doing sculptures. Plus, he does film, too, but totally differently. Um, so the one thing he always taught us and he did he wasn't really teaching us to be contemporary artists but just to see art differently he's like you you need to find things in the world that nobody else is doing and then present it to the world uh, to show them that, that art can be done another way so i remember i during the lockdown you know because i wanted to make video art pieces or video sculptures last year but you know covid screwed that all up yeah sag wasn't you know allowing us to really do anything and if we do then you know we have to put people up in hotels for two weeks and you know do all that. i'm like no man i i gotta do something else so i picked up the camera And then I just started taking pictures of random things. At the time, I remember I was taking pictures of the riots here in L.A. Uh, That's how it first. Yeah, that's how it first started. And then it just evolved, evolved, evolved into something. So by September, it totally became this new and different thing. I'm like, I think I found it. So for you guys, well, you guys already know, but for the audience. uh, So the thing is, is we humans, we walk past trash cans all the time you know from the plastic ones to the metal dumpsters and we walk past street cones all the time uh 
and we bypass so many different stories that are told on these elements at the macro level. Uh, so when urban decay or nature starts decaying, uh, when you have different elements on top of each other decaying away, what I have discovered is there's a new rebirth happening at the macro level and I was able to see it and I can still continue to see it and now I'm able to uh, photograph it and edit it and present it to the world. Um, did I explain it? Yeah, that's, oh that's, God, that's awesome. Well, you know, yep. one, one thing that and uh, my in-laws are, <laughs> this is kind of a tangent, but my in-laws are visiting. My daughter just graduated high school. My in-laws are um, visiting. So we went for three weeks and we are just throwing shit out. You know, just mm-hmm. just throwing and cleaning like, the house. Yes, cleaning the house and like you know, just you know, it was just disgusting. But as I'm throwing this shit away, it was like a time capsule of our lives. You know, uh, <laughs> so and, true. You know, so and, true. and what you're just saying here really is resonating with me that it is, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Pinewood Derby Trophy. <laughs> you know, I, I had to throw away my Pinewood Derby Trophy that I got 45 years ago. You know. Uh, I remember doing those when I was a kid. Right. Well, well, actually, my dad had a guy in his warehouse. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember my dad said to me, I, you can paint it. <laughs> and then and then I started painting it. And he said, you know what? You you can't paint it. I'm going to paint it. <laughs> so you can go faster. Right. right. Exactly. And that trophy is at his dad's uh, memorial right now. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, your work with uh, Paul McCarthy. And I did say it correctly. Right, we Dave were, bet me that I was going to say McCartney, but I did not. A lot of people do. <laughs> I know. And I was looking at uh, the, you were in this uh, film called Dada, Donald and Daisy Duck Adventure. <laughs> and holy mackerel, does that sounds like a giant LSD trip. I mean, you played Adam Cartwright in that movie. And and that's not just a coincidence of uh, of names, right? It, it was the no, character no, Adam no. Cartwright. An answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. tell us yep. about tell us about that and and what it was like working with this guy. You, you know, first of all, I was scared shitless working with this guy because he oh my god, like I don't know if you've seen images of his past stuff, but like yeah, it's he, it's he, gruesome. He, yeah, I mean, some of yeah. it is like woo. <laughs> oh yeah, and very sexual too. Yeah, you know, so it's yeah. like he's he's not afraid to take film to a brand new world, you know. Um, and it's like his past work is it's it's sometimes he he like he did a project with um oh man what's his name uh, James Franco and. Uh, there's they actually hired porn doubles to be in the the film that he was making so he like he's really willing to push the envelope yeah so so to talk about dada and then uh cssc which is coach stage stage coach so at first so we have two different chapters so coach stage stage coach was the first chapter and there are four of us bad guys so imagine that you live in like a twilight zone type world uh, but it's like the late 1800s. Uh, but in that world, you have like 
cell phones like flip phones or smartphones like we have today but you're still riding horses and you still have to like get water out of the ground so it's like this world twilight zone of like present and past mixed um but what he really wanted to talk about is you know hollywood loves to romanticize this time period like how it really wasn't that bad but imagine if you're taking a stagecoach from Let's say, you know, from New Mexico uh, to uh, California. And in this time period, there really wasn't much law, you know, and, you know, you still had Native Americans everywhere. And, you know, so it's still pretty chaotic. But imagine what really did happen to a stagecoach of six people plus two stagecoach drivers if four bandits actually stopped it with weapons and took it over like what would really really happen uh and which sort of kind of goes to with what's happening in dictator countries right now yeah. especially you know countries where they chop hands off chop arms off chop legs off chop heads off like uh so he he wanted to to rep and and because these are the stories from the real West as well. You know, there was a lot of vicious, cruel things that Hollywood just never wants to talk about. But the thing is, is if we don't really talk about our history truthfully, and I don't, I think every country needs to talk about the history truthfully. It's just not the U S it's the whole world. needs to do it. Then maybe it has a chance never to repeat it again. You know, if we, I I don't know that's that's the way he sees it. I sort of kind of see it the same way. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so we really push the envelope with everything. So what he does is he makes these hyper-realistic sculptures of the lead actors, and it looks just like them. Like the flash, you touch it, it feels like flash. It's freaking crazy. Then he put, like, actual organs inside these sculptures with blood veins running through it. So when it came for us to, to do physical damage to the actors – uh, now we're actually doing physical damage to the sculptures, but they look real to the audience. They look real to us, the actors. Uh, so when we're doing damage to these things, now you're actually seeing the things that Hollywood can't even do. And the crazy thing about Paul is, so the way he does movies is, you know, his, uh, let, let's say his, uh, Dada goes to a movie. So he builds a movie set for Dada, you know, Donald and Daisy Duck Ventures. Uh, and it's a two story saloon. And he'll tear it. So basically, we, the actors, will perform on the, in the saloon for like a year. And whatever happens in the saloon, so let's say that, you know, we get in a food fight, uh, we spill our wine and drinks, you know, it goes on the carpet, it goes in the wood, you know, food's in the corner, you know, uh, I shoot you, your blood spills out, you know, maybe we cut your organs out, and then the organs are sitting right there. I know, it's pretty crazy, dude. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is, is he will take photographs of everything that, how we left each scene and how we left the whole project. And then his people will tear down everything and they'll rebuild it exactly the same way in the museum. Whoa. So, and then on, on the four walls all around you will be different scenes of what happened in the saloon. Yeah. So now, yeah. So now (laughs) when you see violence on the screen, you turn around and you actually see the body parts in the saloon. 
Yeah. Whoa. I don't know if you saw some of those images of Dada. I did. So, I saw the yeah. I saw the images and holy mackerel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and the reason he does that is because, you know, we all are raised on TV. Yeah. So we we we've sort of kind of come numb to when we see like real news or documentaries of yeah. violence. Right. You know, and versus he's like, well, how do we get it so we're not so numb? So it's sort of like we're seeing it in real life, like you and me. You know, you saw a guy get his head decapitated. Yeah. And I saw a guy break his neck. And those memories stick with us, you know, versus how many movies have we seen of horror or, or violence? Then it doesn't really stick with us oh, no. because, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so he's trying to take it to the next level with these bodies. Yeah. So. Um, I don't remember our original question at all. Who cares? <laughs> totally spiraled into something else. Who cares? <laughs> I got to see it now. I got to yeah. see it. There is more to come with our guest on Minutia Men Celebrity Interview right after this. We'll be right back. I'm Sam. I'm Kimmy. And it's Tommy. On And Friends, we decide that it's wrong to masturbate during Zoom calls. But oh so right to be prowling for cougars. And wondering what a soybean-oiled penis tastes like. Listen to And Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Rick Kempfer. And I'm Dave Stern. And we're the hosts of Minutia Men Podcast. You know, I think we're curators. Okay. Well, if you listen to it now, you can hear Clueless About Geography. The very best dad joke. Rick's account of the Ryan Sandberg game. <laughs> Racist food at Ikea. Ridiculous conspiracy theories. And my brush with the Eagles. Listen to Minutia Men now on Google Podcasts, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. We're back. This has just been a wonderful, wonderful interview. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Let's, hey, plug away. Great questions, too, though. Trust oh, me, I used stop. to work for CBS News. No, no, I used to work for CBS News. You don't ask the right questions. You don't get the right answers. Uh, so. um, plug away. Anything you want to talk about, your art, where can people yeah, find how, you? Where people can people want to follow you? you. What's the whole a, deal. The best way to plug follow away. You. So, you know, this whole art thing's new for me. So, like, I'm, I'm just trying to get into the game right now. So, my website is my name. So, it's DaveVescio.com. Uh, Vescio is V as in Victor, E-S-C-I-O. Uh, I'm actually going to be starting up an Instagram page because I never did one. Okay. Uh, but, but you guys found me on Twitter. So, yeah. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, uh, you know... It's crazy because what I want to do art wise, like this is just the beginning, guys. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna push the envelope just like Paul McCarthy does in the next couple. We believe you. (laughs) (laughs) If your track record is any indication of where you're gonna go in the future, uh, you know. And yeah, you've done some impressive things. We're uh, we're fans. Yeah, and whenever you have something new you want to plug, give us. Yeah, give, let give us, us a call. We'll be happy to have. Yeah, you for again. sure, for sure. This, yeah, yeah. This has been just spectacular. Yeah, we really. Oh, thanks, thank Dave. You. I mean, you scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but at least we know if we ever go to prison, the food's not right, so bad. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, only Fort Leavenworth that way because it's a hard labor prison. The other ones, I have no clue. So. Well, can you like at Leavenworth? Were you able to say, you know, this couscous is a little dry? Can right, you maybe? Uh, more... <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any gluten-free stuff here? <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Dave. Hey Dave, this has been great. Thank let's keep it. Let's keep in touch, man. 
Take okay, it easy. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla, Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Quick, Lou, what's your favorite car color? I'd say Lou likes blue. Lou likes blue? Eh, Blue's pretty good, but really I prefer silver. But regardless of our color preferences, when it comes to cars, you'll never know what you'll hear on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon. I'm Lou Costable. Join us for the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Silver. Really? Silver? I'm Rick Kemper. I'm Adam Howard. And we're the co-hosts of Free Kicks, a show about international and particularly English Premier League soccer. On an all-new Free Kicks. A couple of big draws were announced this weekend. Yes, FA Cup, Champions League, semi-finals, quarter-finals, lots of potential for these matches. And we talk about that on Free Kicks. Listen to Free Kicks now on Apple Podcasts, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And because it's full Try doing it without using your hands.